Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Ball. Thank you for being with us. The excitement is brought to you by Uber Media. Site selection and marketing commercial properties has just changed. Believe me, you need to check out this website. It's ubermediavista.com. It's pretty incredible, and you can get a free trial for 10 days. All right, well, we are continuing our coverage of, of COVID and how it's impacting uh, the commercial real estate industry, how participants are dealing with it, and what to expect moving forward. Well, obviously, one of the big impacts of COVID and, and any kind of downturn in commercial real estate is what's happening with the lenders involved in the industry. Well, please welcome my guest. It's Tom Walsh. Tom is Senior VP with Grandbridge Real Estate Capital, they're an affiliate of Truist, and he's uh, joining us uh, on uh, Zoom here, but we're going to just use the audio today. Tom, good to see you. Good morning, Michael. Nice to be here. Well, Tom, first of all, uh, you know, a lot of people are kind of hearing that uh, there's a freeze going on. There's a pause, and, uh, and of course, there, there, there is a good bit of that right now. Can people get loans right now? Are, are commercial real estate participants closing loans? Uh, yeah. I guess the simple answer is some people can, um, and, and yes, there are certainly loans being closed. Uh, it's without a doubt a different environment than it was 90 days ago, uh, clearly. Um, you've had a couple product types, uh, retail and, and hospitality, that have uh, somewhat fallen off a cliff, uh, other than Grocer Anchored, I should make that exception. Um, and, and you have the different lender groups all kind of operating somewhat differently uh, in this market. Uh, some, some are more in than others. Uh, there are some that are almost totally on the sidelines. It just varies lender type to lender type right now. And, and who is in right now? Who, who's doing loans? Well, the simple answer, I guess, on that is, is I guess, everyone's favorite two punching bags, Fannie and Freddie, are, are both in. Uh, they are in and being careful. Uh, there is debt service reserves uh, required on, on most loans, say above 60% loan to value today. How much reserves? Six months? or It, it, can, it can range depending on the, on the metrics of the deal, anywhere from as little as six months to as long as 18 months on mm -hmm. a, either a small balance deal or a student deal. Um, there's still a lot of concerns in the student market with, with what the uh, fall semester 2020 looks like. Um, and in the student world, the thought is really, if, if it's not fall 2020, you're really skipping all the way to fall 2021 for what you might call normal again. So, so it's kind of extreme in the student, in the student side. Um, and, you know, both, both agencies are a little bit tighter on cash out than they might have been. That doesn't mean you can't get cash out uh, on a deal. Just, a, just a, probably maybe not quite as aggressive on the underwriting that. Um, both of them have excellent pricing right now, and, and the pricing has dropped steadily over the last three to four weeks, um, probably getting, getting back to almost historic lows on pricing. Uh, we're here. We're here today at May twenty seventh. What's a sample uh, rate that might um, today? You, for the right metrics, you could get below three on, on, a, on, a, on a typical, say, 1030 deal. Um, probably almost everything out there on, in the regular loan sizes 
uh, right now is below, say, three and a half to three point six or lower. Um, in the small loan programs, you're probably up, still maybe a little bit south of four, um, which you know, historically those rates are still outstanding. Um, so, so rates are not an issue right now. Um, it's 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 fairly conservative underwriting and, and just a general caution. That, which which is is rightly so. I mean, it's not like they're stepping out doing that. I mean, it's it makes sense. I'll also throw in too that that HUD, as far as an agency goes, the third agency, if you want to call them that, is probably more in play right now than ever. Um, they do have debt service reserves of 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 I think it's a fixed nine months on their deals. But uh, not to get overly technical, but HUD over the last 90 days has relaxed what was previously known as the three-year rule. And, and that meant that you could not do a permanent HUD loan on a property that had been built uh, shorter than three years ago or had gone through a major renovation shorter than three years ago. That rule was relaxed uh, in the beginning of the spring. So, so HUD is a viable candidate for a takeout deal of a construction loan now uh, or, or a deal that you've done, you've, you've rehabbed it, you've stabilized it, someone wants to buy it, that's now in play for HUD where it previously wasn't in play. Um, so I, this is just my opinion, but I think, I think HUD is looking probably to have a stellar year in 2020 as far as production. Goes. For any property type? Uh, just multifamily. Uh, they do, they do, uh, they don't do students at all. They, uh, they have special programs for what we call the health care, which would be assisted living and that type of stuff, mostly conventional apartments. Um, and, and like it's the same way with Fannie and Freddie, too, uh, apartments that have an affordable element to them, whether that be a formal affordable element where it has tax credits and has rent restrictions or just is affordable in terms of relative to the local market that it's in. Um, you get a, a, a little bit uh, more enthusiasm out of the agencies if you have that element to your deal. We're talking with Tom Walsh with the Grandbridge about financing today. How about CMBS uh, alive? Um, breathing. Uh, and, and I would have said uh, 30 days ago, I would have, would have said not breathing. Um, there, there have been some signs of life in CMBS uh, that started with a securitization that priced, I think, two or three weeks ago. Um, there have been a couple since then. That, that have, have priced fairly effectively for the issuers. And, and what that does is, is that brings a little bit of price confidence. And CMBS needs price confidence. They, they have to have a decent idea on, on how, to, how to set their interest rates such that when they go to market with those deals that they will sell profitably. You haven't had that certainly since the beginning of March up till now. But you're, you're, you're seeing an increased level of pricing confidence right now there are some lenders out there that are that are agreeing to look at new business. Um, there are still there are understand there are still some lenders on the sidelines also that are not, um, but but some are looking at, at at new business. In all honestly, in all honesty, uh, right now we don't really have much empirical news on new business executions because the the appetite for for new loans really is probably only two or three weeks old at its oldest right now. So we haven't had any deals in this environment that have gone to the finish line and closed. So I can't speak to that, but I can speak to the attitude. The attitude's a little different, a little more positive now than it was previously. Yeah. And it, I, so you're seeing that attitude change, say, from week to week? 
Oh God, day to day. Day to day. Yeah, and, and, and maybe, and we haven't talked about the life companies yet, but maybe more so in the life companies than anywhere else. Yeah, um, tell us about the life companies. Where are they? Um, they're, they're, they're back to some degree. Uh, if I had to guess, I would say at the end of March, of, of the life companies that we follow, probably maybe 30% of them were in the market and 70% were out. That has probably flipped now as of approaching the end of May. Now it's probably 65 or 70% in and maybe you know, 30 to 35% out. Um, in and out. Being in the market is not the same definition for everybody. Uh, we have a handful of life insurance companies that you might say are in the market and under normal circumstances. Uh, to what we use, blowing and going. You know, they're they're doing business as usual. Uh, send us as much as you can. They want it all. Um, most of the life companies, though, that are in the market right now are in in a fairly conservative way. Um, they're you know they're they're being diligent in their underwriting. They're not stepping out and taking risks on things. Uh, they, they don't feel compelled by the competitive nature of the market to step out. Um, there it, it's kind of, it's, there's a box. If it's in the box, they're a player. If it's not, they're happy to let it go to somebody else. What LTV is that box? Um, depending on product type, if I, if I had to make a generalization on the life goes, I would say probably 65% and lower mm-hmm. is probably where they're playing. Uh, on 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 high quality institutional type deals, they will get above that, especially on apartments. You know, they'll they'll go toe to toe with Fannie and Freddie at seventy five percent LTV on apartments. But in most cases, in the commercial property types, sixty five percent and lower would be kind of the norm for them. They are all um, they're all pricing with floor rates right now, so you're 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 going to get a nominal rate as a quote. You're not going to get a spread usually. Um, they're not concerned as to whether the 10-year treasury is 60 basis points or 80 basis points. They're going to quote you a rate. Um, I would say the range today, bottom of the range for a typical deal is probably down around 3.4, 3.5. Top of the range is probably four and a quarter. The, the overwhelming majority of deals are going to be done between those two, uh, those two parameters right there. And I'm sure there's exceptions for you know, a thirty percent loan on a Class A apartment deal—could you get it down to three? Possibly. Yeah. And there are probably some deals out there that go off over four and a quarter too. But in general, that's a fairly that's a fairly uh, good range, I think, for where you'll find a life company. Tom, how are banks uh, today? Are they active? You know, the banks are open for business. Uh, they are they are being conservative. They are primarily focused on their existing customers. Um, that, that's something we're almost hearing universally out there that, that, that they're really not that interested in, in, in a new relationship right now. They just don't feel this is the right time to kick that off. They are trying to keep their existing customers happy. Um, you know, there's, uh, there's a natural reaction to problems in the market. Uh, and, and, and banks might be the best example of this as as soon as your as soon as your investment committee or your loan committee starts using part of their committee time to talk about forbearance and uh, giving IO and any any number of relief type items, there's a there's a human nature of that that you kind of pull back in on the other side that we're you know 
if, if I'm giving someone 90 days forbearance here on this deal here, do I really want to be talking about this new loan here? So they get a little conservative and that's human nature is a powerful thing. So I, I think you're going to find most of the banks being fairly conservative right now, um, very diligent in their underwriting. Again, like, like I said about the life insurance companies, they're not, they're not going to step out right now and take a risk or any, any unusual risk. Um, yeah. But they're there, and, and, and I think especially that they're there for an existing customer. If you've got a good bank relationship and you need something, I'd like to think that you have a decent shot to get it from your bank. But if you're talking about walking into some bank for the first time and introducing <laughs> yourself to the, to the loan officer, that's probably unlikely to happen right now. Even if I take off my uh, rob the bank bandana and put on a tie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not a lot of ties uh, out there today during COVID-19. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I like your point that, you know, if you're, um, you don't want your uh, loan originator in the afternoon have uh, been doing special assets in the morning. No, no. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. A, it, 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 and seriously, it's a, it's a tough balance. And I said, human nature is a powerful thing. And, and, you start to deal with a problem on your right hand and try to be aggressive on your left hand. That, that's fairly difficult to do. Yeah. Well, I want to take a quick break here. When we get back, I want to ask you about underwriting, what you're seeing there, and uh, uh, and what's going on with appraisals uh, in your world, and maybe talk a little bit about uh, what banks are doing on on forbearance and, and workout stuff. So we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Stay with us. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial real estate? You're invited to contact Bull Realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Call 404-876-1640 or visit bullrealty.com. Would you like to be the top producing commercial broker in your office? Check out Michael Bull's video training. Since you're a show listener, you receive 10% off your first purchase. At checkout, use discount code CREshow. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us. This segment is brought to you by Bull Realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Give me a call or visit bullrealty.com. Well, Dave, we're continuing our coverage on COVID and, and what's going on and, and really specifically what's going on with, with loans and mortgages and financing because it's such a big part of commercial real estate. We're talking with Tom Walsh, Senior VP with Grandbridge Real Estate Capital. Uh, they're a subsidiary of Truist. And, and Tom, one of the things that, that seems to be an issue for everybody right now is, is really underwriting a, a property. So as you, you're out here day to day doing loans, talking to lenders, talking to borrowers, what's up with underwriting today? What do you see from your desk? Well, it really depends on product type. Um, there are some product types uh, that I, I might say industrial property, self-storage, mobile home parks, which is you know obviously not a big southeastern thing, but has a fair of a, a, na a national platform. Um, you might find cap rates a little lower than those product types, uh, making them kind of what you might call safe havens in this market. Um, overall, I, I think cap rates have probably had a little bit of upward pressure 
We don't have a lot of empirical evidence yet as to seeing extreme upward pressure on that. Uh, appraisers today, um, I think, are almost uniformly adding a paragraph in, the, in their reports uh, that is kind of a bit of a COVID-19 catch-all type of, you know, we don't really totally know what's going on with this. And, and, and it's mm -hmm. true because most of the deals during, during this, this COVID-19 crisis that have closed were, were under contract prior to it. And you know, you know, most of those, most of those, the contract price has held, or the deal fell apart. So if it's a closing, it's most likely closed at at, at the purchase price that was set, say pre-March one. There have not been a lot of new contracts that have gone to closing within this time frame right now. So there's not a lot of empirical evidence to say, oh yes, you know, multifamily cap rates have gone up by 50 basis points. We don't really have that type of information. Uh, there is some what you might call common sense intuition in play right now, and, and I think that's what's led appraisers to, to to put that caveat in there that you know I'm going to use comps that are pre-COVID-19 because those are the comps I had, but I don't really know what what the effect is. We don't have empirical evidence to that, but I'm certainly not going to be silent about it in my report. You know, so so you're going to get a paragraph in your report to that. Um, yeah, and it's May 27th here, and I think it's important to to mention the date because, as you said in the previous segment, things are changing day to day. And uh, like just in the last week, uh, we've put uh, under con talk about deals that are going under contract mid COVID haven't closed yet. We just put a 40 million dollar deal under contract, a 14 million dollar deal under contract, a 6.5 million dollar deal. So we're starting as, as brokers, and we're starting to see. You know, some things that are happening. So hopefully we'll have some sales comps starting to come through here and see what happens. Are you getting would, uh, new applications? Are you getting new things you're seeing? We are. Uh, they, our, 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 our production has, without a doubt, slowed down. Yeah. Uh, but it has certainly not died. We, we, we are apping new deals almost on a daily basis across our company. Um, Acquisitions or refis? Uh, more refis. More refis. Uh, a, a lot of people that are that are taking advantage of the rate environment we're in right now, that they have a, a property type that fits and a deal that underwrites relatively straightforwardly. Um, obviously, it's a great time to do a deal with rates are are so low you know, like they are right now. Um, we have not seen, and I'm actually happy to hear you say what you're saying about new uh, about new contracts on acquisitions. Because it, it seemed that that as soon as the COVID thing started, deals that had not gone under contract yet kind of ground to a halt at that point. And I, and I think part of that was because the buyers need to know what the financing market looks like. Yeah. And the financing market was anything but but a known entity back in the middle of March. You know, it's 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 clearly gotten better and a little better defined as time has gone on. But back in the beginning, you did you had no idea what you'd be able to get for a loan if you could get a loan. Right. So so buyers were backing out of deals with good reason. In fact, I think in most cases, sellers were letting them go. Yeah. Look, we're we're in a brave new world here. We don't know what's going to happen. I'm not going to hold you to this thing. You know. Um, so very happy to hear you saying that. That 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 yeah. maybe. Maybe we're over the top of the bell curve on that and you know, back to doing some deals. I, I, I think that there is still, on the lending side, there is clearly an appetite to finance acquisitions. 
Mm -hmm. uh, in, in fact, if you gave most lenders the choice of the same loan, one being a refi, one being an acquisition, they would almost always take the acquisition because of the fresh equity going into a deal, the fresh commitment on the part of a buyer. Um, so I, I think acquisition financing is out there. It just hasn't been called on very much recently. Yeah. And, and of course that we're not over that curve yet, uh, you, you know, and I know so, but yeah, we're starting to see some deals going to contract, but we're also dealing with some, uh, some clients who are having trouble uh, paying mortgages who are uh, asking for a break from, from their lenders and, and in a lot of cases getting it. What do you see from your desk as far as uh, forbearance and uh, what's going on in that world? Really depends on, on, on your lender. Um, on, on the Fannie Freddie side, Fannie and Freddie very quickly, I guess to their credit, came up with a forbearance program for 90 days. Uh, and you could, you could have chosen to start that forbearance as early as the April 1 payment. And I believe the latest you can start it is the August 1 payment. Um, very, very few people at this point have taken advantage of that. And that's because on the apartment side, April collections were better than expected and May collections were better than expected. So most properties based on what they collected for rent in May are still able to pay their debt service. Um, as, as the market is, we immediately skip to June then everyone's anxious about June <laughs> collections. Um, but as far as what we know right now, the April and May numbers were better than people thought they were gonna be. It's, I think it's giving people the thought that maybe we're gonna get through this to the other side with, without real heartache. Um, but the forbearance is available out there and, and in both cases of the agencies, their, their indication is that they're not going to hold that against you. So if you, uh, legitimately need forbearance on a deal, the occupancy has fallen to a point you can't pay debt service. It's not going to be that two years from now, Freddie Mac's going to come back and say, well, yeah, you, you guys used forbearance back in COVID. So, you know, we're, we're not as anxious to do business with you. Everything we're hearing is that's not going to be the case. Yeah. It's going to be held against you. And that's good. I mean, with it, with it being a worldwide pandemic, yes, I mean, that, yes. that's a very good thing. Yeah. On, on, on the life coast side, uh, it's, it's a little less programmatic on the life coast side. I, they are, they are certainly very willing to jump out and switch you to interest only if you're not an interest only right now. Um, and, and depending on where you are in the cycle of your loan, that can be pretty meaningful. That might cut your payment in half almost in some cases. Um, forbearance, I think, is, is a little not as automatic, certainly with the life insurance companies as it is with, with, with say, the agencies. But we have heard, you know, we have empirical evidence of life companies giving forbearance on deals. Um, most people are dealing in 90-day periods right now. And it's kind of like, look, we'll, 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 we'll do 90 days, whether it's an interest only period, whether it's a forbearance period, that's going to take us to maybe the August one payment. And then we'll reevaluate at that time. No one wants to step out too in too long a time frame and maybe regret that they did that because the market comes back faster than they expected. Um, so on the life co side, we're seeing both some IO, some forbearance, some other, mishmash combination of the two may be you know, not as programmatic as it is with the agencies. Um, on CMBS, um, that's a little, a little bit more of a difficult animal to deal with as far, as far as relief goes. And it's because of the structure of CMBS with the, yeah. with the master servicers and special services involved in the process. 
we do know that there have been some there has been some relief given on CMBS loans, uh, whether it be IO or forbearance. I, I, I think my personal opinion is that that it's a much tighter box in that industry than it is in the other ones, and, and what they're able to do is going to be far more limited than it is in the other ones. Um, and and the nature of the CMBS structure is you don't nothing happens very quickly. Yeah. In that uh, the the role of the master and the role of the special and the amount of time it takes a master and a special to respond to requests uh, historically has not been a real quick exercise. I expect that it's not going to be real quick in this either. Yeah, and you want to make sure that. You're not violating uh, some carve outs, the, the the bad boy carve outs, right? Well, yeah, and, and certainly, you know, one of the things that has come up is the PPP loans. Yeah. Um, people that were getting PP, PPP loans in the name of their borrowing entity, having to make sure that they weren't defaulting on their first mortgages by doing that. Um, I think I think most people have worked their way through that, but that certainly was a was a a area of concern. Well. Well, the PPP loans were kind of in their in their prime, say two weeks ago or so. <laughs> um, on on the bank side, you know, the banks probably have as much flexibility as anyone does in in working with borrowers, and we've seen across the board with that from you know from interest only to uh, an interest rate break to to forbearance, and you know, on, especially on the hospitality side, a lot of times. There was not only not money to pay debt service, there, weren't even, there wasn't even enough money to cover expenses on that. In an ex- extreme situation like that, you are seeing some forbearance on that. Um, and and, and most, most of the banks are, will, will do well by their customer as well as they can, really. Um, there's limits, obviously, to all of this, there's limits to what, what, a, what a lender can do. But on the bank side, they, they will try to help their borrower get through this as best they can. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. Well, Tom, what would you leave our audience with to think about, you know, moving forward related to commercial real estate finance uh, here on May 27th? Well, I mean, I think right now we, we seem, and I I might regret saying this a week from now, you never know, but we (laughs) seem to have kind of gotten through the worst period of this. As I said, there's many more life insurance companies actively lending today than there was 60 days ago. The CMBS market 60 days ago was non-existent. It's showing some signs of life right now. Fannie and Freddie have been steady as she goes, as far as being available in the market. That doesn't mean they're making any crazy loans or anything, but they're there. There's liquidity in the market there. So I, I kind of think we hopefully have gotten through the worst of it, um, and and maybe we're we're on to better times on the finance side. There are certainly some difficult products out there right now. Uh, you know, we talked about hotels. I mean, you had a market that was running, I think, a national average in the low 70s for occupancy. Literally, lots of properties running between 5 and 15% right now um, with business travel really, really on the sidelines right now. That's a difficult time. It's going to be real hard to finance a hotel right now, without a doubt. Retail, other than grocer anchored, and, and when I say grocer anchored, if you've if you've got a Kroger and you've got 20,000 feet of local space, I think you're in good shape. If you've got a Kroger and you've you got 220,000 feet of local space, that not, might not be the same answer there. But, but clearly, non-grocer anchored retail is a major concern. 
for people like right now. Um, you're seeing obviously a lot of small businesses, which make up the majority of tenants in those properties are struggling mightily. A lot of them are not back in business uh, yet at this point. Um, thankfully, a lot of the restaurants, uh, which make up in, 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 in this era that we're in right now, make up so many of the local tenants in, in the shopping centers. A lot of the restaurants are coming back, whether it be limited in-house seating or at a minimum it's takeout right now. So hopefully, a lot of those restaurant tenants will be able to survive this and, and go on to thrive. That will help the retail market tremendously if, if we can get those small business restaurants to survive through this. Um, so, so hotels and retail uh, are, are tough products right now, without a doubt. And, and that, that's common sense. I, I, you could probably ask the guy in the street, and he can tell you that. I don't think you need to be a real estate expert to know that. Um, the, one, the one product type um, that is really interesting to people right now is office. And it's not, it's, it's not as much office like right now. Uh, or office 90 days from now or 120 days from now. It's office five years from now. Mm -hmm. And, and, and what, what, what has happened during this exercise we've gone through for the last couple months that might have changed people's attitude toward how office works in the United States? Um, and and that, that remains to be seen. Uh, you know, you certainly, I'm sure you've read the things I've read that, you know, X percentage of CEOs, Think, think that some part of their workforce will continue to work at home when this is all done. I, I think it's, it might have been, it's one of, the, one of the big techs, maybe Twitter, I think, I think that announced they're going to let anyone who wants to stay working at home, stay at home, work from home, which is obviously a, a, an enormous change in, in how you do business. But I think it remains to be seen. It, it can work both ways. I, I, I don't know that given the value we put on social distancing now, is a cube farm going to work the same way it used to work where you've got all these people tightly packed in a room all in their own little cube with a four foot wall between them. Is, is that a practical way to do it? Any, I don't know the answer to that, but certainly it's in doubt. Um, and, and, and the role of the 50 story high rise uh, versus the flex building, which one story with your car parked right outside the window at half the price. If you're, if you're not sure that you need, the super high quality, high end office space, might you use the lower cost space, which is maybe a little more practical. You know, there's a, there's a, there's way more questions than answers as far as office is concerned, but it's, it's an interesting topic. A lot of people are talking about, and you know, we're Americans. We love to project, <laughs> you know, um, but it's difficult to project. I think, I think there's a possibility two years from now, we're all back to normal and this is forgotten. Uh, but I also think there's a possibility that there's kind of a sea change in, in the way America work, views office space and uses office space. And that will be interesting to watch going forward. Yeah, I agree. But, uh, you know, we're social animals. And, uh, you know, I think uh, for the culture, for the recruiting, you know, for the productivity, you know, eventually people are going to want to get back together and, uh, and, and, and be better at what they do because they're around like kind people. And I, I agree. And, and that, that's, that, that's me. I, I, I am very anxious to get back to a more normal environment in an office with other people in it. Um, there probably are people out there that don't share that thought though. I would, I, I suspect, I, I suspect there are people that have discovered through this exercise that they actually like this working from home and, 
working in their sweatpants and a t-shirt and, and, uh, being more comfortable and, and, and working the hours they want, you know, they're at the computer at 6am or at the computer at, at 10pm, you know, doing their work when, when they're not compelled to deal with office hours. So yeah. it, it, it'll be interesting to watch as we go forward. Yeah. And especially the, the productivity and things that, that come out of it. And, uh, you know, I, I think I worked from home for uh, four weeks and, you know, while the, the not having to commute and, and those sorts of things was nice, you know, I, I, I grew not to like it very quickly, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, and, uh, you know, to get back to the culture and the power of, of, uh, being around, you know, great people at, at my job is, is very fun and, uh, and be able to talk to people like you, Tom, great information. Thanks for uh, sharing it all with us today. Oh, I was, I was happy to take part, Michael. Thank you. Stay safe. All right. Thank you. And if you'd like more information, uh, we'll put a link to uh, Tom's uh, website at Grandbridge uh, on our website at CREshow.com. And uh, we just did a show, if you're interested in the uh, the Fed's uh, look at banks and, and what their real estate uh, guru, Brian Bailey, thinks about the market uh, coming up, check out that show wherever you get our podcast or at CREshow.com. And we got another show coming up that could be very interesting uh, next week with uh, Casey Conway, he's CCIM Institute's um, economist. So we'll get uh, his view, especially on the job market and things moving forward as we continue our coverage on what's going on with this COVID market and uh, how real estate industry participants are dealing with it and what to expect next. Let us know what you think. Uh, if you don't, don't miss a show of special importance to you, subscribe to the show wherever you get our videos or podcasts. And until next time, be sure you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Appreciate the show? Consider referring business or doing business with our sponsors. Bull Realty is a commercial real estate sales, leasing, and advisory firm doing business throughout the Southeast, headquartered in Atlanta. Visit bullrealty.com for more information. Commercial Agent Success Strategies provides video training for commercial agents. This training gets five-star reviews from even the most experienced brokers. Learn more at commercialagentsuccess.com. You're invited to connect with us on your favorite social media. You can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Don't miss a show of special interest to you. Be sure and subscribe to the show on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. And at the show website, CREshow.com, you can subscribe for a weekly email announcing the show topic and guest. While you're there, you also found more videos and podcasts. Thank you for watching or listening to America's Commercial Real Estate Show.